Good afternoon, all my friends and developers out there. This is episode 184 of PHP Ugly, a rare daytime look into the very ugly world of PHP development. I mean, we have, like, lights on. I don't have to turn on any overhead lights for seeing. This is crazy. Yeah, this I'm is what I look like in, in, in real life. Nice and blurry. And my very blurry friend here is John Condon. <laughs> hello, hello. And also with me, Tom Rideout. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's a daytime. It's a daytime show. We're like we're practically a soap opera, man. Ugh. We're daytime showing it. This is awesome. I'm excited. Uh oh. Too. That, this means oh. we don't have to. We don't have to record tonight. What? What? What happened? We, we got Jake Bennett in, in chat. That, that, that's a problem. Jake, I thought you were recording something, man. Don't don't, don't you have recordings to you? I thought uh, he was recording. Get that vape, Tom. Yeah, see now, now, now these people are gonna are gonna peer into your world, Thomas. They, they're gonna see you vape in, in real time. Exciting stuff. Yes, and it'll drive them crazy as much as it drives you crazy. <laughs> How's everybody holding up with the social distancing? I'm tired, man. Man, I feel like my face is, is getting a nice round shape to it now. You know, just like sitting around all day. It's... Has, has that much really changed for you? Not not too much. I am starting to notice how much like how how long it's been since I've seen you, for example. It's like I'm starting to notice that. The biggest thing is the the wife and I, we had like this little routine for a long time where like once a week we'd go out and have breakfast together. It was like our time. We kinda go out, have breakfast, talk about everything going on in the house and stuff. And I mean, sure, we can still have breakfast at the house, but like everybody's still here. It's like everybody is here all the time. It's nonstop. Everybody's always home. So yeah, and I don't have a I don't have a big house. Yeah, the wife and I had a, a standing weekly hike that we would do just so we'd have some alone time together just to get out, and we've been missing that. Can't get yeah. away from the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's... I mean. Can't get away from the kids is the real the real stick. Well, it's not only kids. I mean, my, my kids, I, they're kids. They're my kids, but they're 22. I mean, they celebrated their 22nd birthday uh, last week, this weekend. And, you know, it's like it's a house full of adults right now. It's it's like uh, I, what I would imagine, like living in a frat house would be it's like just too many people, just too many, too many opinions. My opinion is the only opinion that matters. Yeah, everybody else can just you know, <laughs> that's not working too well for me. Oh, yeah, it's man. been a little exhausting. Yeah. Um, I have some news for you guys. What Cody? is that? I did not get the job. Oh no! Wonk, wonk, wonk. You know, wonk, wonk. <sighs> is that? Did, did they, they give you a particular reason? The hiring guy called me and basically said. Usually we give people a reason, um, but this came down to you and one other guy, and you guys were equally qualified, equally good. Everyone liked you guys just as much, and they just decided to go with him. Basically, it. So you know what? All said and done, now is probably not the best time to be switching jobs. To no, be completely honest with you. <laughs> That's true. So. And it and this gives me a lot of time to focus. You know, I was sort of thrust into this because I I just got this offer and, and started looking at it and saying, "Oh, that's kind of the way I want to go." And realizing that I hadn't gone any particular direction in seven years besides that. So uh, this gives me the chance to to 
focus on the skills that I'm going to need for the job that I want, focus on polishing my resume and stuff up and, you know, paying some attention to it. So has it given you kind of a renewed interest in, in a particular like field here? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely renewed my interest in architecture and, and design. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, I'm not too uh, bummed out about it. And you know, they're, they're keeping me on record in case they need, in case they need me in the future. So that's uh, not, not a problem by my count. (laughs) And you know, end of day, I mean, as silly as it sounds, you know, you got that practice, I guess, of getting out there and seeing what people are looking for and seeing where you kind of, kind of match up and you i mean you matched up pretty well right i mean you're yeah you're right there so that's good man everything going good with the current company though they they're they were cool with you possibly looking at something else uh yeah i assume their business is up in this time of the coronavirus you know i don't really i don't see a lot of that kind of data but i would imagine that we're doing okay it's uh i feel like i make those jokes because i've seen it on the the late night shows too (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, Pornhub has definitely seen its activity increase and I've heard other companies are are seeing a lot of activity increases, but uh that kind of surprises me that the reason that people were not spending so much money on porn was because they had to go to work. <laughs> like well, that that was the thing stopping you. Well, they just and they just posted in our company chat, I guess uh, the alcohol industry is seeing a spike as well, like a 50% oh, uptick for sure. in sales. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm drinking more now than I have in a long time. Hey, I've gotten a new appreciation for breakfast beers, for sure. Well, John just got a nice little uh, mini keg dispenser thing. Did well, you order that? Yeah, I did. It was... What is it? I don't know, some hopsy.beer, and it's they give you the the tap for free, which was supposedly like a $200 value with, uh, you get basically four mini kegs of beer, which I think each one is a six pack. I think just under, like just under a six pack. Yeah. And it was like 30 bucks bigger. Worst and, and you've tried, you've done the homebrew thing before, haven't you? I have. And I haven't, I've never made a good one and it takes so much time and I just don't have the, the patience or energy for it. Mm-hmm. So is it is this more of a, a a quick to market sort of thing? Like you, it's not it's not like a homebrew kit. It's just already no, it's ready just, to go. I'm, I'm confused. It's just ke- kegs of beer, but they're mini. I mean, oh, it's it's, it's our it's already the beer. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. just a ke- it's a keg oh, of beer. I didn't know that. And the tap you just put on your countertop and put the keg in there, and you just pour yourself a little fresh beer. Cool. That's figured, awesome, man. I figured it was. For the price, it was worth at least trying it. They have this whole they have this whole subscription model too, and that I'm not buying into yet. Kind of want to see how it goes first. Yeah, the subscription model is is an oddly bad. I, I looked into the whole thing, and like the intro deal is basically you get this little mini kegerator thing, and then a you know four or six packs of beer for thirty bucks, and that's a great deal. But then like continuing on to buy beer after that is a in growing increasingly bad deal. <laughs> I think it depends on how much you're getting, right? If you take part of their gold membership where it's free shipping, but that's a hundred bucks a year. So you got to figure that how many shipments you're going to get right to make it worth it. Cause the shipping is expensive. I think. It, yeah. It's like trying to figure out how much to put into your FSA where you're like, okay, if I'm going every week, it's this much beer. And then I'm calculating. Okay, so 
And then it's going to be a really bad week in December. So I got to make sure I've got that money set aside for that. And does it break even or, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to end the year negative on your, uh, your FSA account. Cause that just goes, just goes to waste. <laughs> oh man. So I'll let so, you know how it goes. I'm not, I'm not sold on it yet. It's, it's a trial run for, for the money that was there <laughs> or uh, the savings that were there. The fact that they were given the free tap and discount. So any, any coding stuff to talk about? <laughs> I mean, the most exciting thing that's happened to me all week was uh, Stack Overflow had introduced dark mode. So, you know, that's that's awesome. I saw that. I'm just I'm just putting that out there. That's the only thing I can think of. Is, is Stack Overflow still a thing? Absolutely. Oh, I love yeah, Stack like, Overflow. Like every day. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I know. But I didn't. You I know. had not seen the dark mode thing. Did I mean I meant your son at Laricon US? What you got to tell me what year that was? I uh, I usually try to avoid the young children uh, when I go to conferences. You must have. Uh, I'm just kidding. That sentence started out bad. <laughs> There's no context there. What are you talking about? Look he's reading chat. the cha- he's reading the Discord chat. I am horrible. This is why I should not be hosting a podcast. Like if I I, I get I get distracted. Like people ch- talk to me in chat. I want to talk to them. That's my thing, man. He he's Nunez is talking about how I uh, I met his son at Laricon. He just saw me. He just saw me on the stream. So hi, son. Hi. See. Um, one interesting thing I found is that uh, we are significantly better at this whole recording and broadcasting from home thing than the actual professionals are. Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys have watched the uh, the Stephen Colbert Late Show, but he broadcast basically him trying to get set up with uh, Daniel Radcliffe for 20 minutes. <laughs> That was the that was the edited down version of it. I was gonna say they actually broadcast that. Yeah, it has been very entertaining to see some of these late shows. Uh, Colbert does it. Um, the Late Show does it. Uh, uh, the Daily Myers Show does it. it. Yeah, yeah. Seth, Seth, Seth was the was the worst one I saw. He 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 was. I mean, he was echoey. He was <laughs> about everything. Everything wrong. I'm like, man, you know, it's like these are professionals. You think they would have at least, you know, figured some of this stuff out? But yeah, it's been entertaining to, to see them <laughs> work through some of the challenges. <laughs> They're getting better though. Some of them are getting really good, actually. Well, I've I've got a friend who started uh, something called the Quarantine Network on Facebook, and it's just a constant live stream of different artists and educators and things like that just doing TV shows now from home. And that, you know, when you see Stephen Colbert sitting in his basement little setup, and then you see people who've been doing it on YouTube professionally for seven years or eight years, you go, oh, wow, that's a really thin line between a broadcast production worth millions of dollars and a person doing it out of their home. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I don't know if John wants to share it or not, but the contract, uh, one of the contracts John's working on, they they're just dropping in on each other, right? Didn't you didn't you mention this? Yeah, so it's basically using Zoom as just a room for developers to drop in. I mean, it's a complete remote team anyway, and I'm surprised we haven't been doing it for years. But it's been nice. Like, let's hang out and can chat, work on pieces together when necessary. I'm 
I actually decided to pay for a Diego Dead Zoom account so that our developers could do the same thing. These days, yeah, you talk, you're, talking about, you're talking about an uptick in, in usage, man. Zoom is all over the place now. Yeah, they became Everybody's they Zoom. became the big players in the whole quarantine situation. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I'm watching uh, DHH, uh, who is the who's the creator of uh, Ruby on Rails. Apparently, he hates Zoom, and he or, or I shouldn't say he hates it, it but he he it's calls out a lot of, of the issues. Yeah, the lack of security, some of the things they've done in the past. Yeah, now that's that's the thing is everyone started using Zoom, and then that suddenly became a problem because their security is exceptionally bad. Um, by default, the uh, the Zoom communication uses just a random 10-digit number, which has no like flood protection, so you can just scan for numbers and see pop into someone else's Zoom chat. It's not an invite-only thing by default. Right. Uh, there's no passwords by default. So there's a lot of like these teach-from-home situations where people are popping in on a classroom full of kids and destroying the chat. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't taken that close of a look, but I don't know how much control like a presenter has to like kick people out as well. You I mean, have a lot of there, control. But... Yeah, you have a lot of control, but people were being kicked out and then immediately coming back in under a different name. Right. So the one of the other things is that it's not a very personal way to deal with group communications. I've heard of uh, companies that are having meetings upwards of. 500 or 600 people in a single Zoom meeting. What? Um, well, I and, guess you don't share share camp. I guess that's uh, that's just like like Larry kind of online, right? You just have one person presenting. You know, it's not like you have 500 faces on your screen. You can from what I've heard. Uh Hi. <laughs> the uh the big example today was the there was a Zoom meeting at uh Bird Scooters, Bird Electric Scooters. And they basically had the entire company on all at once and told them that they were all laid off. Uh, so 400 really? people. What? 400 people saying? simultaneously got laid off by a Zoom meeting that was scheduled to last for half an hour, but everyone just hung up after two minutes. Are you for real? It's absolutely. Wow. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. So there's a, there's, about 400 Twitter accounts that are really, really upset at Bird Scooters right now, <laughs> and they're but they're making weren't as they much making noise money as they hand can. over fist. I mean, weren't they making a killing? You'd think they'd have some sort of stockpile, some sort yeah, of rainy, some sort of rainy day fund. Yeah, they're a startup. They they were, I think, they were money cash negative, even though they were making I, money hand over fist. I hate startup. I just, <laughs> How do you operate at in an, in the red for so long? That's the that's the really big question. Is that we're getting lots of government assistance discussion in the U.S. Uh, there's this twelve hundred dollar check thing that's going through, and there's the sort of corporate bailouts that are going through. And someone had done the math and said that that the cost per person for the this bailout is eighteen thousand dollars. And that of that $18,000, you're getting 1200 back. And the rest of it is going towards corporate bailouts. And- yeah, so yes yes, and no. I've, I've been thinking about it a lot. And while I dislike the government in the helping big corporations on bailouts, a portion of it is this Paycheck Protection Program, which we are trying to take advantage of, which basically gives us money to pay employees. So while individuals are only getting $1,200, uh, while individuals are only getting $1,200, the they're also continuing to get a paycheck, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'll let you guys know how that goes. You guys, we're we're about to dive head first into this to, starting tomorrow. Yeah, See, we've had we uh, got, we've had a pretty rough go at it. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, so we're lucky not to be in retail. Retail sucks, but we're also one of our clients is kind of in the retailish space space, and they came out with they are cutting all of their employees by half all and all of their contractors. So our company immediately took a huge hit uh so it's hard it's really hard a lot of people are saying that even when this is over it's going to fundamentally change the nature of business and on one hand i i agree um but on the other i don't you know things like restaurants and bars they're going to be back to the same exact thing i mean it's going to be back to what it was but these businesses that have been struggling since the internet that have barely floated along or worked based off of mergers and things like that, this is just going to end. And the idea of going to a retail store and walking out with an item, I think is going to be a dead concept soon. You know, you might go to a retail space and see all the available items that you can order once you have handled it and approved it, uh, you know, somewhat like the, the Apple stores are right now. If there's nothing in stock and they just have a warehousing system that gets it to you within a day, then I think that's the future of retail. I mean, that's always been the future. I don't know that this is going to speed that up. People may be understanding that they can stay home more, and but most people know you can buy online now, right? It's not a new concept. Yeah, but people want to touch. Yeah, and I think to, to, I think Thomas's point, I think this has forced some people to get comfortable with it. Like, like my, you know, my wife, for example, she, the idea of DoorDash and all those, uh, all those services, e- even like the, um, the, you know, order pickup stuff at Walmart. I mean, she wasn't a big fan of it. She kind of started using that. And now, you know, she's kind of been forced into this role where, you know, she's using it more. And, and, you know, I don't know. I can, I can, I guess I can see some of that bleeding over. But again, I don't, I don't know if it'll be enough to absolutely eliminate brick and mortar. Well, the damage it's doing to malls is really devastating. Because if you think about the mall industry, they've got stuff like Claire's, where my friend was a manager and she was just summarily let go. Um, you know, the, these Wetzel's pretzels. I mean, all all the really mall specific type of businesses have been struggling for a long time, and this is just going to kill them all. Mm. And when that happens then you're going to have all of these malls that were barely making it throughout America shut down completely. Well, I I have the same thought on, on like conferences, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, all these conferences being canceled, I forget where we left off our last show, but tech's been canceled. Now Laracon has been canceled. And I mean, you know, when all is said and done, you know, Taylor looks back and says, okay, I didn't have Laracon last year. You know, what was the impact to me? It didn't really cost me money i mean you know how how much money does he make from lyricon and how much does yeah. effort and cost does it take i can see a lot of companies just saying you know what we're gonna have a second look at these conferences and if they're really worth it and you know look at the success uh, that some of these online conferences have been having and just start to gravitate towards that sort of uh implementation which personally i'd hate to see because you know again the conferences we've been saying for years is more about the social aspect of it and getting to see people that you only see once a year. And, Mm. you know, I, 
I'm super bummed about that. Uh, it's funny the the thought of you know knowing I'm not going to see certain people this year, like you know Eric Barnes. I've had this thing going with Eric Barnes for years, where I get a picture taken with him every year, and I'm not going to get. I'm going to have to stalk that guy. I'm going to have to fly to fucking South Carolina, stalk and hunt him down, and get a picture <laughs> taken with him, just, just just to feel good about myself. Yeah, where are you going to get your next elephant from, too? <laughs> Exactly, man. Yeah, Eric Burns, watch out! I'm coming for you. You'll be you'll be on the bike trail, and I'm just going to jump out of a bush and grab you and take a selfie with you. And it's not just it's not just the the PHP and the the normal tech conferences, but the Detroit Auto Show is canceled. Uh, fairs are canceled. Um, like the whole carny industry is imploding on itself. Where are they going to get jobs? The mm-hmm. the whole thing is just crushing this this market where people gather in any form whatsoever um the the mobile world mobile conference was canceled you know all these things where you see new tech coming out and new video games and any media stuff that's just gone now Mm. well this has been a depressing show no kidding i don't think it's depressing i think it's i think it's interesting because it's it's such a transformative state that we're in where, you know, right now zoom showed up as the sort of de facto for everybody because it works correctly. Um, but then obviously there's a market space for something that replaces zoom or improves on zoom. Obviously Skype doesn't cut it for what people want to do. You know, Hell, this- it doesn't, doesn't cut it for this. <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> that might be our fault. We're not sure. But there's, there are so many tech opportunities coming out of this where you say, listen, if this, if this is not sustainable moving forward, then something is asked to replace it. So it's my opportunity to think about what it is, what it can be. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic about this for the tech sector. Yeah, the, only, the only thing, I, man, I, I was just having this conversation with a friend, is that for, for so long... I've been saying, if you want work, be a PHP developer. Like, you can say what you want. You can hate on PHP. You can whatever. But there is t- there is a ton of PHP work out there. I, I don't think that's going to be the case for a while. I think being a developer for the next couple of years, if you're looking for work, it's going to be a rough go at it. I think the market is going to start getting flooded with developers who are getting laid off right now because we're we're easy targets, right? I mean, developers, you know, companies, especially companies that aren't focused where where the web is their business, companies look at developers as expendable. It's like, okay, well, you know, let's just start cutting back developers until that hurts because, you know, all they do is code. And so we have a few less lines of code developed a week. I think um, I think being a developer is going to be a tricky thing to do that. And that's, that's why I was saying earlier, it's, not probably not the time to jump ship on a, an established job for better or for worse. I mean, if, if, if you're in an established company that's keeping their developers around, it's probably best to stick with that for a while. Yeah. It says the guy who's taken up two developers jobs. Huh? Huh? <laughs> I heard you, I heard you were uh, doing a little work for the company that I work for. Well, we're, we're taking on, we're taking on some contracts. Uh, and uh, again, this, this is, this is not something that we're, it's a survival thing. Right. right. Now. Yeah. 
So I mean, where I was, I, I was just making light of your survival. Yeah, where where John, where John and I tried to position it, where uh, our the contracts we we tried to be as less as little dependent on the contract for our role as possible. You know, our our role is kind of to run the company. And John's John's had an exclusive contract for ever since we started the company, and it's been his decision not to drop that. He's he's enjoyed working with them. He you know he's happy with it. it's a good income. But we've been trying to position it so that's not the case, and it's you know it's kind of to the point now where it's like I have you know I have to make sure I'm coding. I I'm getting. I mean, I've always kind of been coding, but. You know, I have, I'm getting back into the thick of it where it's, it's contracts are dependent on, on me as the developer. Yeah. So it's, and it, it's, uh, it, it needs to be done so that, you know, we can keep people employed. Bottom line, yeah. it's, it's that, that's our main goal is keep the team together, continue to, you know, fight through this and hopefully emerge on the other side whenever things somewhat get back to normal as a team. Yeah. Yep. So it's and I and I, I mean I don't hate it. I you know I, I've always said I love I love coding. It's one of my favorite things. It's just it's a little challenging to to code and run a company at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> but but we'll we'll get through it. I mean, unfortunately, we have a great team. Yeah, you know, they don't they don't require a lot of uh, supervision. So we'll see how it goes. I've been on more phone calls with clients in the past week than I have been in a long. Time. I mean, we have our standard meetings, but. Having clients just call, like needing to talk about what's going on, reasons for a change, trying to give advice. I understand you're running a business. You got to make decisions. We're we're working on our side too, trying to make sure we have all our ducks in a row. So, well, yeah, and you guys, you guys just got hit. You know, this this started late February for San Diego. You guys had just transitioned into the new uh, full time employee format, so you yeah. really you really got slapped around twice. Well, y- yeah. But but it's been beneficial to the people as well because our employees now, we know they have insurance, right? Yeah. So you know that that was that was one of the kind of good things is you know we if if they were sick or if they had an issue they they we know know they had some insurance. Then I think the big thing we ended up doing, which I, I'm fine sharing. I don't know how John feels about it, but. You know, we, we had discussed the whole time about personal time off, how we're going to handle PTO. We we decided on, you know, you can accrue a certain amount of PTO. But to be nice, we banked we what we called banked uh, like a week or, or a couple of days of PTO into everybody's account so that nobody started with zero. So everybody had yeah. time off to take. Yeah, I screwed that up. I, I said a week or I meant a week, so it should have been five days. And as we were talking to people, somehow it became a week, which was seven days. So everyone got seven. Everyone got seven days when I meant it to be five. Whatever it happened, but but it doesn't matter because you know when all this went down, and we realized you know not only are people getting sick, but people are having to take care of people who've gotten sick, and people are are having to take care of their kids who are home for school and stuff. So. You know, John and I just decided, and this is one of the nice things about owning a company is, you know, we had a discussion about it and we just just kind of lifted the whole PTO uh, accrual thing and just said, okay, for the foreseeable future right now, everybody has unlimited PTO. 
And, you know, that way that, you know, we don't want people to worry about not getting a check because they have to go take care of a mother or, or father or, or them themselves aren't feeling well. So yeah. we, we kind of did that. We have, we have one employee who has shared that they are suspected COVID-19 positive. And it's scary listening to their story and how, how devastating it's been as far as not being able to really do much of anything feeling foggy, not being able to think sleeping a ton because you can't really do anything else. You're just exhausted. So I'm really hoping they it's frust- are taking care of themselves and get better. And it's frustrating to hear when they talk about these COVID cases because I, I have to keep saying, well, those are the ones that they tested, right? There, there are people like like our, our person who was never tested. They, they were just profiled over, over, over the computer, over the phone. I said, okay, we're pretty sure you have COVID. Don't bother coming in. Just, you know, see if you can tough it out. And if you start to display these symptoms, give us a call back. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, they're not being counted. They're, I'm sure they're not being counted as, these, as you know, confirmed COVID cases. And I can only imagine how many of those that are out there. Yeah, I've, I've talked to lots of people who bring that up as far as we don't know. And that's the scary part, the mm-hmm. fact that we don't know. But their point is almost like, well, if we if there are you know three or four times as many cases that than we're aware of, then the pers- the death rate is lower, which is true. But the fact is, the hospitals are still overwhelmed. That the fact is, people mm-hmm. are still going out. So even if the death, what the flu is, that's just it's still overwhelming the hospital. And the fact that you can spread this asymptomatically is the scary part. I'm pretty sure with the flu, you're only contagious when you have a. F- the fact that it, we. Where this one is being spread and people don't even know they have it. It's super scary. Yeah. Your your kids are younger and so it's easy to just pull the leash and say you're not going anywhere today. And oh, Eric, I, you're I don't think it's easy. I get No, that. it's not saying easy. I'm just saying you can pick them up and mm. just physically restrain them quite easily. Uh and, and Eric's girls are well educated and understand the situation, I think, pretty well and respect it. My kids, not so much. My kids are having a very difficult time understanding why we are telling them they cannot leave the house and that we are the worst parents ever because their friend can't come over and hang out just for five minutes. And it's like, well, I, I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> that, well, I mean, as, a, as a kid, if I, stay, if, if I stayed in the house for too long, my parents would just literally put me outside and shut the door, you know? <laughs> Now it's just the office. It's like, hey, what are you doing outside? Get in here right now. What are yeah. you thinking? What are you thinking going out there? It's and and I have we have two immunocompromised people in my house, and the the two children who are not don't understand. Hey, this thing kills people that are immunocompromised. So you know, don't kill your brother. No, it kills people that that aren't immunocompromised as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just. Just stay home for a little bit, <laughs> please. Go play some more video fortunately, games. <clears throat> fortunately, the, the stay-at-home order or, or the social distancing orders have been extended to uh, the end of this month and not just Easter. Mm-hmm. And we won't, we won't get into the politics of the situation, but let's just say it's stupid. <laughs> oh, uh, man, I, I, can't, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. So anybody working on anything interesting, I mean... We're still coding, right? I mean, we 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 do this every day, anyways. Anybody working on any fun code stuff? I told you a couple weeks ago that I was going to do an upgrade of Laravel 
to the latest version once there hadn't been a patch for seven days. How's that working out? I am still waiting. <laughs> I, I I will say that was my logic there for a while. Now it's just like once that major release is done, you just have to decide, hey, if no if shit hasn't broken within like two weeks, I'm gonna go ahead and upgrade because there's there there won't be a week between re- releases, buddy. It just won't be. Well, I'll tell you, seven three released seven days before seven point four. <laughs> that is the well, longest span that, of time in the last There's your window. You that's your the, window. Right. That is the longest span of time in the last two months between patches. And, it, yeah. and it, I I am getting I, I'm getting so frustrated about looking at the seven release change log because it's just every couple days non-stop well but i mean they're mainly fixes they they, they, it's not like they're adding features every release yep they are (laughs) i'll tell you man speaking of uh should have gone with symphony yeah speaking of upgrades can i tell you how much i love running docker in production i've got the my laravel microservice that i've written is deployed via docker and upgrading Mm -hmm. just even the the version of PHP was very nice. Just being able to make a couple of changes, push that up, and then all of a sudden the server's running seven. I, I didn't. I don't think I knew you were running that on Docker. How, yeah, how long it's have running, you been running that on Docker? Ever since it was launched, it was, it was launched uh, via ECS. Nice. So we're and we're talking about upgrading the main application to seven four. So we just uh, actually the other night pushed a 7.4 Docker container for local development. So we can start testing that and hopefully in the next, you know, few weeks, maybe a month or two, get that in a production and be really nice. Trying to keep them on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that's it, right? That, that was like the, 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 the goal is, oh yeah, we can just update these individual components now without jeopardizing the entire stack. And, you know, if, if there's a problem, we just roll back to the old version and mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're going through that on, as you very well know, John, we're going through that as well on a, a much bigger project. And it, it's actually a, a, a shift from it running on its own LAMP stack to it running in a Docker environment. And, um, you know, we're, we're working through some, some like every now and then some performance issues pop up that we're, we're kind of working through. But, uh, but all in all, it's going really well. And I'm looking forward to kind of getting to that stage where we can just swap out components and start upgrading things. Did they ever figure out the, it was a speed issue that's been keeping it from going live, right? Has that been figured out? Uh, yeah, it's it's looking like database. So we talked about it. Um, this this is a, and this, this is something maybe you can help out with Thomas as well. So uh, this this one um, client is a long-running web app that their database has just been growing exponentially. And, I mean, we're talking they have, what would you say, about 15 years' worth of data in that database? And, I mean, they, they have, you know, clients that have long gone. And, and, I mean, they have a lot of legacy data that they never access. Mm-hmm. And... You know, just just the mere size, the database itself is starting to take up up to like twelve hours to back up. So oh, you can still back it up. That's not yeah, that big. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> so we're uh, we're we're you know starting to look through, it. and of course, you know, again, fifteen years. So think about the fifteen years of architecture, 
think of you know, the 15 years of development and trying to just kind of start to extract data out of it is, is not a super simple concept, but no. we're, we're kind of, we're kind of going through down that path now. Okay. How can we start to start to reduce data here and, and, you know, speed things up. And again, back to the Docker conversation, the biggest thing that's going to speed this up is getting them over that seven hump, the PHP seven hump, because they're still on five, six. And it's just been this, you know, thing of okay, how do we get them over the seven hump? But with but with, again, with, with the speed of the database, I, I haven't looked at it in a long time. If they can point to a very specific location, probably not the size of the database as much as it is the queries that are being written. They're probably not optimized. Yeah, and the, the tables and the aren't indexing. indexed, so we can probably they are solve indexed. a lot of that. So yeah. one of one of the issues with with tables that grow that large is that if they are indexed that slows down your write speed. Um, so the, one of the reasons that people now recommend having a read database and a write database, having them separate, is mm-hmm. to address those performance issues, load balance between the two of them, so you get the data written fast, and when you need to read it much later on, it's there. Um, mm-hmm. or Not necessarily much later on, but later on. Uh, I've had both situations where there were no indexes at all, and the whole thing bogged down when you tried to read it. And then I've had situations where it was 10 million records, and every column was indexed, and you could barely write to them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the first step in addressing speed issues like that is finding locks. Um, locks are the thing that are always going to make the most visually jarring impact on performance, where if you are locking a commonly read value because of poor query strings, then every time someone tries to update their view count on a page and it hits a slow table at the same time, then it's going to lock viewing that page for every user. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen that quite a bit. So, Do you have any good profiling tools? Uh, there are some built-in profiling tools for, for SQL. Um, explain on queries can help you. Um, it'll tell you where it's going to create a temp table and where it's going to create a lock on a file or on a, on a row. Um, and I can even tell you that there are older uh, schemas that are, that are prone to locking badly. Um, you know, if this is a 15 year old table and they haven't updated it to my ISAM from the default, MySQL. <sighs> no, from my ISAM to INNODB. Right. Right. If they haven't done that conversion, that's a massive, massive change. And just doing that conversion can save your butt. Um, there's also a company, boy, I don't remember per, what per, they're... Percona. Percona. That's probably yeah, Percona. Percona makes a huge number of tools freely available that you can use to profile and even modify uh, with minimal downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually used New Relic quite a bit for for this because it it will. How, how do you use New Relic? So New Relic will tell you where you're where you're spending time, whether it's database queries or PHP or external services, and then within there it'll tell you what the SQL was, and you can start to figure out. Okay, this is my slowest page, and here's the query that's running. It can also you can also use that data to say it's my slowest page, but it's only accessed once in a while, where this one is being accessed way more often. So I need to spend my time here. Mm. 
Unfortunately, it's not a cheap tool, but but it's very useful. And for this client, I think it's something that either they should invest in or we should, you know, spin it up for, you know, a month, gather data and try and make improvements. Yeah, just to get the profiles done, yeah. And that that has an agent? Is that agent-based? Yes. Yep. Uh, Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that might be the way to go. Easy and useful. Yeah. Yeah, and Procona, that's that's another good suggestion, Thomas. I, I always forget about them. They... They they came to SDPHP a couple times and did a couple of presentations and yeah they definitely seem to know know their stuff. Oh yeah, uh, the the one of the most helpful tools they have is when you're uh, modifying a column or adding a column to mm-hmm. a big table. They have a way of doing it online so that the the table doesn't go down while the operation's running, mm-hmm. and it is just amazing. I mean, it's you, it's crazy how they do it too. It's all done with yeah. triggers. It's, yeah, it's done with these. It's done with this bizarre MySQL magic that I. Does, I does, is it something that can be apl- applied to the generic MySQL database, or uh-huh. do you mm-hmm. have to be running their version? Yeah, no, yeah. You smart. you you run your generic MySQL. Hmm. All it does is you could do it yourself, but the tool does it automatically. Is uh, it, when you're going to alter a field, usually it locks that table until it's done, and when it's a huge table, that could take hour days so days it'll yeah create i've a, had it had days yeah it'll create a new table and then we'll put triggers onto the existing table so when you do an insert on the existing one it puts it into the and then it starts copying all the data and then once it's done it just renames the table so yeah. so you have you have a you have a time period where you have you have two tables that are basically mm-hmm. the same data set that it's it's kind of mm-hmm. topping over mm-hmm. really yeah yeah well yeah. so they it doesn't even it doesn't do an alter table it just creates a new table with right. the alter already applied to it that's totally empty mm-hmm. and then it copies the data from one table to the next and for any data that's being written during that copy process it hits a trigger that causes the the same record to be duplicated how is it how is it handling the primary keys in that situation like it it's just ignore so it knows to stop it says okay the the uh, latest key when I made this put this trigger on is five hundred thousand. So it's going to copy from one to five hundred thousand, and then we'll stop at that point. So it's inserting into both the next record to come in uh, five hundred thousand and one will go into both tables because of that trigger, and then in the copy process it just stops. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's really in, it's really ingenious if you if you sit and watch it for two days in person while it's doing it because. <laughs> It generates a log saying this is what I'm doing right now. And if mm-hmm. you have if you have it open on the console while it's doing it, I mean, I literally sat for three days and watched it do its job. What's <laughs> another long three days for you, man? <laughs> yeah, literally sat it's there be- for that. It's, it's better than downtime because you want to change yeah. a column. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. an unknown amount of downtime because yeah, keying writing to keys is an exponential task. So, like, my test would say this thing is going to take you know, five hours on 1 million records. And my boss would say, well, what's it going to take on 2 million records? And I'd say, well, 15 hours. <laughs> why is it going to be more? See, this is why, this is why enterprises have DBAs. This is why DBAs exist. Stuff like this. Well, man. Yeah. Well, what's scary, because I've done it numerous times, unfortunately, is starting that alter process and it's taking forever. The site is down and then you try to kill it and then you corrupt your data. That's no fun at all. That was the one time I actually gave Percona money was when the uh, <laughs> when the when NBR, I was really hosed. <laughs> yep, we uh, we had c- 
converted from uh, uh, one giant file for all tables to file per table and lost the uh, pointers for all the records. So all the records were there, but they didn't have their primary keys. Mm. And so nothing actually pointed the place it was supposed to. And Percona the- took the took the drives and tried to give us back our data. Tried? I think we got back uh, three-fourths of it. Oh, okay. It was rough. It's, uh, database database stuff is not fun when it gets in the week. Oh, no kidding. And, and, and it is unforgiving, man. I tell you. You drop a table. There, there's no undoing that, man. Yeah. <laughs> that table's gone. Damn it. You forget that where statement. It doesn't ask you if you're sure unless you put it in I'm stupid mode. Exactly, man. <laughs> yeah, I hate... Uh, it's funny because databases is one of those few exceptions where you find yourself working in production a lot because that's where the data is. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually working on a project now where I'm having to go into the production database to change some values to, to have these jobs trigger back off. And every time I do it, as simple as it is, it's just a matter of zeroing out some dates. It's so simple. I know that's when things are going to go sideways on me. I just, I just know it. Uh, databases are, are rough. I well, use, I'll uh, give SQL you Pro as my client, and I have color coded tabs, so I know which ones are production right. Big red tabs. To, you know, be super careful here. Then I have color coding for my read only ones, so I know those are safe. And then my local ones that I don't care about. Yeah, I'm and the I try same to, way. and I and I try to keep all the production ones closed as much as I can because, like, way too many times I've left them. Open. Michael Drinda claimed claims that MyCLI, which is a which is a command line uh, interact interactive tool for for databases, has a stupid mode. I'm going to have to look into my, that. Are MySQL. Like my, yeah, MySQL has it where you, you yeah. Can't so unless you have an ID, no. So it's the uh, it's the Double dash. I am a dummy mode, which requires what? it requires a where statement on any query. No, I thought it requires a, the primary key, not just a where clause. No, you it requires it, it requires a where clause, so yeah, you can still by, do mass assignment. ID. I didn't yeah. think it was by ID. I thought it was just mass assignment prevention, or it was just without a where clause was the issue. Um, Is that really the switch? I am yeah, a dummy. I am, yeah, I am yeah. a dummy. <laughs> That's a developer, man. That's a developer out there. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm going to I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm going to have to test that. Well, I, another, okay. yeah, I guess another you're right. It's just I'll, without a where clause. Yeah. Another hint I'll throw out there for people is uh, is if you have an SQL dump and you're trying to import it into MySQL, you can do it as a zip file with Zcat. Have you guys used that at all? Mm-mm. SQL files are notoriously think- large because they're just plain text. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you zip it as as a .sql .zip or .gz or whatever, Zcat will read it straight out of memory and decompress it and stream it. So you don't have to decompress it and take up ten gigs of drive space just to run it. So all of my databases are z are zipped up. All my sample stuff is zipped up, and I Zcat it. Well, I might have to try that because we actually do. Uh, again, for this client with the massive database, we do refreshes of, of the development environment from production because the uh, databases are constantly changing. Um, that, that could actually be very helpful. I'm going to have to, I might hit, hit you up on that one, Thomas. I I'm not sure how we're doing the restores there, but that might be, that might be useful. 
It's nice. I recommend it. I mean, my some of my database dumps that I have right now are larger than the drive I have on them. So obviously that won't work. Well, how does it work? How does it work? How do you have you have if that much memory though? How, if it's larger than the drive on the machine, I mean, when you when you import it, it's larger than the drive on the machine. How does that work? Doesn't. Unzipped, he's saying. <laughs> no, I'm saying it's it's okay. It's half the size of the drive on my machine. So if I unzip it and then cat it to the database, then it's doubling in size. Uh, I gotcha. Okay. I didn't mean to call you out. I'm sorry about that. Hey, we got Scotland. Scotland's watching us. Look at that, man. We had our number, number, our numbers were up to 10 viewers. Do you see prime time, baby? Prime time. Is this, is this the new time? I'm good with it. Recording. (laughs) I'm I'm being forced to ignore a lot of Slack messages from my boss. Ah, That's okay. He's not saying anything important. We're about to be wrapping up anyway. Yeah, we got nothing uh, that's interesting. I'm working on two FA. Yeah, what are you working on implementing it? Yeah, that's pretty it simple is, to do. It's simple, but uh, what I'm trying to do is idiot proof it, and that is not as simple. No, um, the most idiot proof one, the ones, the most idiot proof ones I see are the ones that just force you to to use text messaging. Like they don't even give you the option of using. But I hate that one. I, 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 just wanna, I, I agree with you, but I, I want to just a, the simple 2FA app, whether it's Authy, Google Authenticator, 1Password. Yeah, now I've I learned how those apps work. Um, Authy yeah, specifically. All, it's all time-based. Yeah, so it's all mm-hmm. time-based. It's, it's just an algorithm that uh, has a, a shared unique key. There's no communication between the devices past the QR code just sharing the key. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a very... Uh, smart way of doing it's just that once you've done it and you're trying to idiot proof something then their account is just completely locked out until you fix it it's it's more about teaching people how to to use it really yeah that that's the hard part once it once you get past that like giving people that 90 days or 30 days whatever where they don't have to enter another code well one of the (sighs) one of the interesting things that i ran into was it was suggested that they be able to reset their 2FA code by email. So in the same way that if you have a forgot my password, there's also a forgot my 2FA code, and it'll just allow you to reset it. And I had to point out that that defeats the purpose of 2FA. Mm-hmm. The purpose of 2FA is that is that I don't have access to it even if I've compromised the system completely. Mm-hmm. Is I've compromised your what? system and gotten your email and password, then I still can't get your 2FA code. I tell you, I, I, I'm, I'm on the fringe uh, of neglecting the whole 2FA thing myself because 1Password has a great feature in it where it allows you to add two-factor authentication. But then you run into the issue of you have your, your password and your 2FA stored in the same application. And may I tell you what, it is super convenient because when you use 1Password, it automatically pastes your 2FA into your clipboard, allows you to paste it, and then pulls it out of your clipboard. And it's like, I, I have it configured for a couple of sites, and by far lo- love using it more than having to open up Authy. And, I, I, use know, it for, I use it for AWS because you have three pieces of information to put into the login, then the 2FA on top of that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can log in in two seconds. Right. 
That I'm just, just I, to, defeats the whole purpose. You guys are killing me. I, I, I know. That's I so know, awful. I know. I know. I, well, it doesn't. It doesn't completely it doesn't defeat de- it, but yes, it does. It defeats it, it if somebody gets ways. access to your to your password account. Ease of use right. is the opposite of security. I agree. Understand. But there's Understand. so if you can log compl- into your AWS infrastructure, defeat it. No, but if you can log into your AWS infrastructure in one click with two FA and captcha and password and account ID but, and user ID. But the same the same argument can be can be made for all these password management systems. It defeats the purpose of the password if you have them all stored in you know an application that you can unlock and have all your passwords. No, you know I mean? no, no. Because the I, issue I, with I, passwords I agree, No, no, no. The <laughs> issue with passwords is that the site that you're logging into is not necessarily trusted. And might reuse your password, might might get your right. password and, and try to reuse but, it. But if all your passwords are accessible in one application, what difference does it make that the the two factors also accessible in that same application? Because because then if you compromise that one application, or if that one application gets compromised, this is my point though, right? Is is you is that still that's that's still the 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 comp the point of compromise. So even all your passwords are, 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 are yeah, already but, compromised. Yeah, but his point well, is, if you, if they get access to your password system but not your 2FA, they don't get access to your account because you have to have a separate device or a separate... I get that. I get that, but my, my point being is that we're, we're already slowly just, you know... Oh, yeah. No layers, man. It's layers. It's an onion. Would, it's layers. I would like a an application. <laughs> Authy is okay, but I would like one like never mind this is an app we need to build so i won't sure. <laughs> this idea is not free well i yeah. just released a desktop version which is something i've been waiting for for I mean, forever the, the, i've had it installed forever what are you talking about oh then maybe i'm an idiot because the, but, the one i've been using i've been using the chrome plugin and i don't use chrome anymore so every time i went to launch Authy, it would launch chrome in the background so that the plugin would launch and I just got a notification that says, hey, we're discontinuing support for this plugin. You have to download the desktop app. You want to know something funny? I had the Authy plugin in Chrome and I didn't even realize I had it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. The, levels, the levels of coordination between you two are impressive. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why we're partners, man. Right there. Right there, baby. Uh, thank you to our Patreons. Yes, thanks, Patreons. I, I haven't logged in recently because I just haven't, but I'm sure there's still a couple left, and we really appreciate it. <laughs> All right, I think that's it. What do you think? Are we wrapping up? I think so. This, this has been a stressful show, man. Like, way too many people have been watching us. I, and I, if this is your first time watching us, I hope you have an appreciation. We we do uh, have. All of our all of our shows up on YouTube, but you know that's like not our thing. It's more of an audio podcast. We just kind of live broadcast. So what you see here is actually gets cleaned up for the audio podcast. Believe it or not, so it's it's a little better. Not, not, not as, as professional as professional as it sounded, it gets even better in audio only. Even better, we bring more to to, to the table. So. Yeah, we actually clean it up and. Do all that stuff that even Colbert doesn't do. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, give us a listen. And, and occasionally, we actually talk about coding. Every every now and then, it's it's, it's rare, but you know, we talk about development. So, uh, yeah, this has been fun. 
maybe maybe we'll change our time more 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 frequently. This has been this has been fun doing it, basically. Yeah. Okay. I think that's it. Do we do we are we wrapping up? Is that it? Is this episode one eighty four? Is it the can? It is. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly.